Hello and welcome. I'm Elizabeth Turp, a counsellor, trainer and writer. And I'm Paul Gorns, a careers advisor, trainer and lecturer. And this is How We Care. Conversations about what it takes to help people for a living. We are two experienced and committed helping professionals who are passionate about finding the best ways to take care of the people we help through our work and to support helping professionals to take care of themselves. So if you're a counsellor, careers advisor, coach, social worker, medical professional, a learning and development or HR professional or any other skilled helper or aspire to be one, this podcast is for you. Let's reflect on how we care. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of How We Care. We're doing something slightly different this time, but it is in keeping with our regular theme of well-being and certainly relevant to any helping professionals who might be listening. So welcome to new listeners. We have previous episodes on topics running from practitioner self-care to the problem with positive thinking. So please catch up with those on all our links online. Um, and that simple cast. So lately there's been a bit of a gap in our recordings because we've been actually practicing what we preach in terms of healthcare and well-being. So both of us have been facing some health challenges and so we've had to prioritize other work. Um, and we feel fine about this because we talk about this in every single episode. Um, one of the things I've been working on is this piece I'm going to be reading out in this episode which is about long COVID. So I'm a counsellor and psychotherapist specialising in chronic invisible illness and I've been working to raise awareness of a little known outcome of COVID since the start of the pandemic actually April 2020 and unfortunately two and a half years later this serious issue is still getting little political or media coverage. So I recently published this article on my website and um, we'll give you details and there'll be a link in the show notes. But I thought, inspired by various other podcasts that do this format, I would read the piece to you because, as I said, it's extremely relevant to anybody who exists in the world at this moment. There'll be people listening who have long COVID themselves. There'll be people who know people who do, people who are managing people they do, who do, people who have clients with long COVID. Um, and if you don't now, you certainly will, because as you'll learn from this piece, the numbers are actually frighteningly high. Okay, so I'm going to read this and at the end I'll give you a little bit more details about what's coming up on the podcast. Um, here we go. So my article is called Why We All Need to Know the Truth About Long Covid. I have been living and working with chronic invisible illness for over 20 years and have at times faced losing everything myself due to health problems. But the most heartbreaking time I've experienced in my career as a psychotherapist is right now. I am living in a country that is believed by many to be post-COVID, while infection rates actually rise again 
the number of people developing long-term health issues and disabilities increased daily and data comes in every week on the increased risk of stroke and heart attack, memory problems and many other emerging issues for even vaccinated people who experience COVID as a mild illness. On the 1st of June 2022, the Office for National Statistics in the UK, the ONS, reported that 2 million, that's 3% of the total UK population, now have post-COVID health issues. 71% of these report symptoms that adversely affect their lives. 20% have issues that limit them a lot. People are losing their jobs, their homes, their relationships and their hopes for the future. There have already been suicides. Many had no pre-existing conditions at all. Some had been super fit before they caught COVID-19. Maybe someone just like you. People I've spoken to for this article alone report post-COVID health impacts as wide ranging as 50% hair loss, inability to find words, full body pain, flutter pulse throughout the body, sore eyes, tinnitus, lightheadedness, inability to walk more than a few metres, brain fog, pericardial effusion, exhaustion after standing for a few minutes, sleep disorders, sensitivity to sound, metallic taste in the mouth, derealisation, being bedbound, and relapsing months after they thought they'd recovered from COVID. So that's all pretty frightening stuff. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think that was from a very small sample size of about 10 people that interacted with me about the article. So it's been a common misconception from the start of the pandemic that the possible outcomes are a binary death or recovery. Because we're being told that COVID is mild and that death rates are lower now, the average person has little idea of another common outcome, damaged health, disability and restriction. Post-COVID health issues show across the body and mind in multi-system symptoms, yet reactions people receive from medical professionals and loved ones can include ignorance, disbelief, denial, helplessness, minimisation and even blame. Many have been told that their symptoms are just anxiety, and refused medical tests to check out certain things that they're worried about. So one of the people that responded to my call for people to put their stories forward for this article is somebody called Paul, who's 47. He's a runner and mountaineer, and he has a long COVID diary on Twitter called at human on planet. And his diaries give insight into the range of symptoms that people can experience. So here we go. There's three days that I've got extracts from just to give you a little snapshot of life with long COVID. 20th of May, 22. Three hours of uncomfortable sleep. Awake with fast and pounding heart. Sore eyes, squelchy ears. Ashamed to say, last night's pizza and small glass of red wine have probably worsened the symptoms of this latest flare-up. 23rd of May. A particularly uncomfortable level of the clunky AC current flutter pulse feeling and extra loud tinnitus. 
25th of May, got active yesterday, compelled to move, couldn't sleep afterwards, too tired to write since, awake in bed for hours, resting heart rate thumping into the 90s, oxygen saturation dipping into the 80s. So this gives a really good example of the extreme physiological symptoms and changes that people are experiencing as a result of long COVID. Something that intrigues me, people with a long COVID loved one holding conflicting beliefs, thinking that no negative outcome is possible for them, despite their friend's similar health and vaccination status. Heartbreaking as this is, it sadly resonates with what I've seen over many years of working with people with chronic conditions and living with chronic conditions myself. It can be very hard for healthy people to fully see the realities of acquired disability. Even when they care deeply for a sick friend, a primal need to protect themselves against considering the possibility that they too could become permanently unwell often prevents full engagement. This can be very detrimental to relationships. The it won't happen to me defensive belief in action. Ableism and the marginalisation of disabled people is at the centre of this hidden situation as health policy across the world now favours the perceived healthy and economically active majority getting back to normal. Ironically, this is leading to a sizeable minority who will never do that again because we're not taking simple precautions as we go about our lives post-lockdown. Masking in indoor spaces reduces transmission risk substantially. Ventilation does so even better. Meeting outside where possible offers reduction in risk, depending on proximity, of course. Lateral flow testing, while it's not 100% accurate by any means, provides at least some guidance before we mix with others. But now those tests are no longer available for free in the UK, so it's actually not very accessible. For those of us who already live with chronic illnesses that limit our quality of life, ability to earn money and reach our potential, watching many more join our isolated and misunderstood ranks is an unprecedented worldwide disaster. But it is not a new situation. The chronically ill, health historians and many scientists knew this was coming as the pandemic took hold. Some of us have been talking, writing, tweeting about it since April 2020. See at Liza Paul, that's L-I-Z-A-H-P-O-O-L for my efforts on this. As many have commented, specialists who claim not to know about post-viral disability can hardly be called experts because mass disability has been a feature of many modern pandemics. MERS, SARS, Ebola, polio, there's many more. The MECFS community has lived with an illness that maps onto a large section of long COVID patients' experiences that have been misunderstood, under-researched, misdiagnosed, even mistreated for decades. 80% of them in one Action for ME survey reported a post-viral trigger. Long COVID sufferers have had some of their most helpful information on coping, pacing and the need to rest from them. It is heartbreaking watching people discover the lack of medical knowledge and treatment available to them and the lack of empathy that can be encountered even from close family when they don't recover from COVID.
Davies, 52. I had long COVID for about 18 months. I was ill in March 2020 for six weeks, fine for about three months, then floored by fatigue, cough and palpitations. I was lucky to be able to rest whenever I needed to because I'm a family carer and was able to do what I have to, then lie down in between. I'm pretty much better now, except if I stress my lungs, say by running. This situation has been described as the largest mass disabling event since World War II, with now an estimated 100 million people worldwide experiencing changed health. Even if many of these make a full recovery over time, it will leave a massive problem on an individual, family, societal, economic and healthcare level. Every day I wonder why no one with any power seems to care, and this can be quite distressing. Unfortunately, I suspect the explanation is similar to the mass ignoring of the creeping reality of climate change. Short-term political and financial aims dominate. Humans often cannot contemplate problems they have not personally experienced yet. People are using all their energy to survive on their own individual and family challenges and often deal with the fear of illness and death using the psychological defence of denial. As any therapy professional knows, at least, this is not always the healthiest strategy. Long COVID poses a threat to society as we know it, affecting workforce numbers, adults' ability to provide care and young people's ability to complete their education. Alongside the challenges of climate change, this could be disastrous. If you are listening to this thinking, but I don't know anyone with long COVID, there are a few explanations for this. There are many people who aren't linking their new health issues to a COVID infection because there can be a time delay before they emerge. Some people are trying to push through their fatigue and illness. People with chronic illness often don't look sick. My speciality is invisible chronic conditions, and that's very true. Many people aren't talking about their struggle and the rest may well be off at home, off sick from work or working from home out of sight unable to socialise, hidden from view. Some people may have tried to tell you that they're not well and not been fully heard. It's called invisible disability for a reason. Victoria, 29. My life has been flipped upside down. An unimaginable 18 months of long COVID. I've been dismissed from my job due to ill health capabilities. If you think that people with chronic health problems who've continued to take precautions such as masking and avoiding indoor socialising are suffering from an irrational anxiety, I've been accused of this and told that I need to get on with my life, which is really hurtful, considering I'm actually an expert in this field. I urge you to consider that we're actually acting from our hard-earned knowledge and experience and a deep care for our fellow humans' well-being. Despite my vehemence, I'm not an advocate for further restrictions in terms of lockdowns, etc. I know we have to live and socialise. I just wish there was some attention being paid to risk management so that people who have no choice but to mix for work or choose to socially indoors can be safer and vulnerable people can travel, shop and go to appointments again. You may believe that repeatedly getting COVID is inevitable, And I don't disagree with that, given the levels of infection. 
However, emerging evidence on repeat infections, cumulative impact on long-term health strongly suggests caution. I don't want anyone to come to me in the future and say I didn't try to warn them, but I gave up talking to most people on a one-to-one about this some time ago because my vocal messaging about the risks of long COVID have often been minimised, ignored, even pathologised. There have been rifts, friendship issues and a great deal of hurt. But I don't regret speaking my truth because I wouldn't wish the sort of health problems that I've experienced on anyone. I'm writing this because I'm a human being, a health professional with a duty of care to let people know that in some cases living with chronic illness can be worse than no life at all. If you take nothing else from this, please be compassionate about what people with long COVID are facing and understand that no one is immune to it. Okay, so that's my article that was recently published on my website. So if you want to go direct to that, if you go to elizabethturp.co.uk and click on the articles page, or you can click on the link directly in the show notes for this podcast. So that's a lot. A lot of the data and and evidence that you can find by clicking the hyperlinks in the article will be possibly fairly shocking to you because it's not being reported widely uh, it's not being discussed as i've addressed in the article people don't want to know about it necessarily but i think as individuals working with other people and as therapists or hr professionals teachers nurses doctors whoever you are you are going to encounter people with this issue Um, and it's a very wide-ranging issue i hope i got that across in the article you know some people are minimally affected with memory issues some people are so severely affected they can no longer work so that's an issue in itself because they they don't appear to be the same thing and they probably have different causes so there's a lot of uncertainty here but my kind of urge and drive for the last couple of years has been to raise awareness of this issue because there are many overlaps with the chronic conditions that I've experienced and that I work a lot with and it's a very lonely place encountering professionals who don't have a clue what you're talking about so There will be some practitioner training that I'm going to be devising. So follow me on social media if you want to hear about that when it's available. So thank you for listening to this episode. Our next episode has a special guest, person-centred counsellor Natalie Roddill, and we will be talking about training and working as a health professional when you have a chronic condition. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with Natalie because we chat to each other regularly and we have a similar kind of passion for our work as me and podcast Paul do when we have our conversations and I think there's going to be a lot in this episode that will be useful for people so join us next time and thank you again for listening thank you for listening we hoped you enjoyed this episode How We Care is brought to you by Elizabeth Turk and Paul Gaunt via Simplecast. Case studies are generalised and do not relate to individual clients. Please subscribe for more episodes 
rate us and follow us on Twitter. Details in the show notes for information on upcoming episodes. Many thanks to Ed Tidy for the music and technical assistance. See you next time. See-